0: What's up? Welcome to a new episode of A Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 394. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts. And just like every episode, I'm joined by Ron um, and John. Guys, how's it going? I know, I know, Ronald, you could be in a better place, so I appreciate you um, soldiering yeah. through this uh, this pod and not feeling so hot, but... Um, I
1: love you guys. It's been What's an fun? emotional two days. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Anytime illness is involved.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anytime illness plus house, and you know, yeah. kid, wife, partner, whatever. This is like exponentially worse when more than one person is experiencing
1: anything because you're just. Yep. Here's, a, here's the problem. It's horrible. When I get sick, I'm miserable. When my daughter gets sick, she's doing a salsa dance in the middle of the carpet. <laughs> like she is like. It's yeah, like crazy. draining
0: out snot and like coughing, but still managing to keep that form yeah, the whole way through. That yeah,
1: fucking salsa going, it's, it's crazy. The kids but are yeah. pretty resilient. Yeah, uh, it's good to see you guys. Well, kids you don't so-
2: know. Kids don't know to act sick.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah not, for sure. they, like they have, don't know.
2: They don't know that part of being sick is acting sick. And sometimes yeah. it's funny when you have a kid. When your kids get a little older, both of you will experience this, where the kid wants to duck out of school or whatever, and they're sick, and you're sort of like. Okay, well, if you stay home, you have to act sick. Yeah. Like, don't be like... Jumping around doing somersaults just because you're a kid, yeah, yeah. And it's like part of that is like, oh, you were faking being sick a little bit. But part of that is just well, kids don't perceive it the same way. They're yeah, sort of like, yeah. you know, like. But but if I f- start to feel sick, if I if I agree I'm sick, then I go into a whole different setting. I shut down. <laughs> I grab a blanket. You go a low battery setting. <laughs> yeah,
1: your bar turns yellow. You just like. Ooh.
2: I have one bell that means soup, and and I don't use that <laughs> bell often, but I ring the soup
0: bell. <laughs> Mm, soup Soup. Mm. so simple so soothing um all right well let's get let's get going here so we don't keep ronald too long i don't want him getting winded or falling asleep on us so uh should be a brief episode today uh we got ronald's pick actually for required viewing coming up first which was the tunnel was it 2011 was that the right year 2011 uh so we'll get to that first and then i think we're going to talk a little bit about the loki season two Mm -hmm. um maybe you two can briefly discuss the marvels uh you both were able to see that yeah Mm -hmm. um and then what else were we talking about
2: um Um, i i should at least talk about it because i i did go and and sit through uh the uh, games of hunger (laughs) yes the games of hunger Mm. ballad of songbirds and snakes i believe so yes, I'll take your word for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, you can talk about that, and then anything else. It sounds like a thing, right? Yeah, that, that sounds
0: legitimate. <laughs> I buy that for a dollar. Um, so yeah, let's go. Required viewing. Ronald, remind yeah. us about the tunnel.
1: Yeah. So um, my two thousand, <laughs> my two thousand eleven pick. My pick is a two thousand eleven Australian found footage monster horror film directed by Carlos uh, Let's Go Ledesma. Um, the movie The Tunnel, uh, which was <clears throat> filmed for a hundred thousand dollars. And I you wouldn't be able to tell me that. It was like
0: yeah, it was like crowdfunded. I was reading, like yeah. it was a crowdfunded for hundred and thirty-five thousand In, dollars. Insane
1: because I watch movies that cost forty million dollars. <laughs> and this movie looks better than that. Right, so. right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's a scrappy little found footage movie. Um I think the 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 devil's in the details and I think the the what, what makes this thing a little more snappy is the pacing once it kicks in and then the sound design is it's, it's one of the things that I noticed because when one of those uh sounds goes off in the movie, it it shook my basement, which while I don't have a lot of movies that do, I gotta be honest with you. So um it's really cool to find that in such an obscure hundred k-movie so what did you guys think of 2011's um the tunnel
0: i i thought it was really good i mean i i quite liked it i mean especially reading more about it after the fact i mean i feel like it's kind of that mix of you know it's got this uh found footage interview uh mashup of post events and it's got this lore kind of built into the what takes these journalists or this journalist and her, and her crew down into the tunnels uh to do some investigation. But I mean, you know, putting them in place, I think what works a lot for me is like it 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 really kind of re- specifically she reminded me a lot of like uh the Blair Witch Project. Um mm. what is it what's her name in the movie? heather Sarah? Heather Heather. Um like just that like genuine like uh fear, you know, like the, like when they're in those moments. I i kind of bought that for the most part for yeah. all of them, but especially her. Um and and I feel like it's a lot of these found footage movies, um I, I don't know I don't know that i always buy into it especially i think it's it can't be uh understated like it's crazy that this movie was one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. like ronald said like no you're sense. you're i mean it, it does look you know it doesn't look like a movie that has a massive budget but i right, do right. feel like it's a movie that you could tell like they were very creative and you know made that go a long way and like kind of were smart mm-hmm. about <clears throat> the locations and like what they had to show and not show and yeah. uh you know, creative ways of using like night vision and things like that, just to kind of like strip away some of the production design and scope that might make that budget a lot higher. But I think when you strip those things away, if you can kind of be lean and kind of creative uh, with, especially, you know, people are kind of spent on, or a lot of people are spent on like found footage type stuff, even though this movie, you know, is 12 years old. Um, I think it's kind of interesting, but yeah, overall, like I kind of like the idea of what it was and, the 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 history uh, of this uh, you know, positive intent that the the county council or like the town had to do something and then it just stopped cold. yeah um and like why and why are people gone missing and that that all kind of adds up to just intrigue to me. and I thought for the most part, I was entertained for the majority of the movie and <clears throat> one of the things I, I was reading about it beyond the way it was crowdfunded that was really interesting and I think speaks to probably how. It has the cult following that it has, even like when you've mentioned it. And I know I've heard about this title a bunch. Is that it was the first Australian production and one of the one of the at the forefront in general, but the first Australian film that was legally distributed through BitTorrent. And which is like, you know, when that went out, there was over 10 million users on wow. BitTorrent. And this was, um, what well, like I said, the first Australian film that was done like this legally. So it's a partnership between. The filmmakers, the production company, BitTorrent, and there was one other, I forget what the other partner was. It was like through an app in BitTorrent that was distributing it. Mm. Um, but what a creative thing, you know, like a small budget movie like this that already kind of had its run in its domestic market, had some sort of release here, DVD, digital. you know, it went through the motions. And it's like, you know, at the time, especially if you're thinking that time of, you know, 2011 still, kind of pretty high on BitTorrent and people still using that stuff pretty, pretty heavily um, to say, oh, here, here's a legally available torrent. And it's like a horror movie. You know, that's that's bait right there. Like that just sounds like the people that are using that technology would be like, sure. And I mean, I don't know what the I don't know what the statistics are. I've tried to find some of that stuff, but I couldn't really track anything like official down you know, in terms of, like, how many times it was downloaded or, like, if it had any details on that. <clears throat> but, I mean, I'm, I for sure am convinced that that's kind of what probably gave a movie like this, this small um, legs that kind of, you know, kind of allow it to permeate conversations about un- unseen horror movies or, like, you need to check this one out or, which is obviously the way, the reason found it found its way onto our podcast. So, but, yeah, in general, I thought it was really cool and I, I enjoyed it. John, what
2: do you think? Yeah, I mean I liked it uh for a lot of the reasons you mentioned both of you. I think the um the use of the locations was 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 key. I think that for yeah. a found footage thing, that's going to be one of your main things is like how how do you I mean, you know, big the big things with found footage is like what's the excuse for somebody filming it? Why do they keep filming it? How do you handle th- the handoff through the movie of, like, if you've got different cameras, and that that became a piece of yeah. the narrative. I think that that was pretty well handled. Um, and, yeah, I think just the the premise of... I mean, you know, I've read about these types of things, and I've pondered them, but just the idea of, like, a, a secret underground lake is, is a pretty... Uh, I mean, your imagination kind of goes wild with with what could be there. I mean, you know, it's a natural wonder, maybe. But it's also yeah. something that's very interesting from a, you know, maybe a biological standpoint. What could be down there that hasn't seen the light in whatever amount of time? And again, yeah. that, too, can be scientific as well as fanciful. So I just think that setting was really interesting. Um, I, I do think you mentioned the Blair Witch. I kind of, I feel like the Blair Witch comparison almost hurts because they, I feel like they so closely kind of copied the Blair Witch, like right down to the the arc of the female character being kind of the one who's pushing this forward. Mm-hmm. And, and then she kind of has this moment of sorrow and regret late in the movie. Um, I thought that in that sense, it was like, oh... um Oh, we've seen the Blair Witch, and they've seen the Blair Witch, so it was a nice little moment. We could all agree we've seen the Blair Witch. Um, but I also think, and this is just a problem. I think sometimes horror movies run the risk of doing this if they're not saving everything for the final punch. Is they kind of peak early? And I think mm-hmm. like the opening scene with the audio of the distress call to like the you know public services or whatever uh, was scary. And when we finally were in that moment, where we were seeing the closed circuit television cameras, and I was like, oh, we're gonna see what happened in that open scene, um, it, nothing really happens. Like, by that Man. time, the tensions bled out of the movie to some extent, whereas I think the real peak of the film was maybe a few minutes before when things heated up down in the tunnel. So I feel like that was, a, that was like a kind of, a, oh, okay. And then it d- goes on for like five minutes, this epilogue about like where everybody ended up, which again, I think is was well done from a documentary pastiche. Like, this is one of the rare found footage movies that really tries to look like a fake documentary, like yeah, the talking sure. head yeah. shots yeah. and stuff. So I appreciated some of that, even down to the way the actors are acting, like particularly the guy. Um, guy, what was his name? The character. not uh, Peter? Not, no, Peter was the Steve? one. Yeah, Steve. Yeah. The actor, in his talking head segments, that actor was doing a great oh, job yeah. of sort of gently, almost, almost <clears throat> doing a satire of the way people act in talking heads interviews when they're the one who lived through it or whatever. so, So I thought that formal aspect of the movie was interesting, but I think that like, giving us the what really happened to these fictional characters at the end was a little bit more deflating. It's like if if I felt a little deflated by the end. That very ending was more air going out of the balloon whereas maybe 10 minutes before that I was on the edge of my seat yeah. because of some of the stuff you're talking about with honestly there's like some close corridor running around and I mean it's a little chaotic and I think all found footage movies have a certain excuse to be chaotic and sort of like quote unquote badly shot but this movie felt like one where like the idea that the person trying to shoot this is actually trying to shoot something i don't know it i just bought into the character of the cameraman and the sound guy and uh the even the 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 woman on camera being sort of the host of the documentary i thought that they did a good job of selling that even though that is almost what that's exactly blair witch right i mean that's the same basic setup um but no i thought it was uh yeah i mean i i it made me think about as above, so below, which is actually a movie Definitely. that came out three years after this. So in that case, it was kind of ahead of that one. So behind Blair Witch and uh, and ahead of uh, as above, so below. But yeah, I I, I was very very uh, engaged by this. What you know, when it was really cooking, I thought it was um, as as you guys mentioned, a really solid found footage movie. And I don't know how to guess whether a found footage movie costs money or not, because the point is to look like you don't cost money. But I do think that the judicious use of, of what I assume were computer generated effects in this, uh, the way they were able to hide them in the shadows and stuff. I thought that was, you know, there was some clever, clever stretching of a budget to create something that was maybe not totally new, but it was a, it was like a, 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 a new eerie version of something we've, we've seen before, you know, somewhere between Blair witch and the descent and that kind of story. Um,
1: Based on Steve's remake rule, technically, you can't give this a smudge on Blair Witch because it's 10 years past it. (laughs) I'm just saying this is this is Steve's rule. I don't I don't make the rules. Once you get past 10 years, you could do whatever you want, even if they call it uh, the tunnel, Witch project Um, It is. i want to go
2: i want to go there with you ron but it's it's the blair witch tunnel actually yeah i want to i want to agree with that premise but i think that um if it had been called that we we probably wouldn't have talked about it for this podcast (laughs) you know what i mean it would sound like like what's a porn parody that's not porn you're right it's just a parody (laughs) i guess um now, who's next? Who's who's pick is next? It's Steve. Steve is so next. I wanted,
0: up oh. I wanted to ask you guys. So are we okay. are we keeping the the spooky stuff going, or or are we
1: pivoting? We we, we, we don't have to, but I'd like to.
2: I I, I know do. that my I have I have several picks that could be considered spooky that could be my next picks. So I'm I'm ready to go whichever way you want to go, Steve. Okay, got it. Got I'm here it. for you. We're here for you. America's You're here, here for, for you. You're both here for me. You know yeah. the world is listening. The world is here for you. Yeah, yeah, sure.
0: So I'm looking through my list I've kind of maintained, and I think the one I'm trying to think what what people could probably access. I'd have to look this up to be sure. Speak,
1: speaking of the world watch what are you thinking? Thank yeah, you so yeah. much for the the ten or t- I think it's fifteen or twenty extra subs- subscribers that we've gotten in the past, like. Month Year. or so. <laughs> yeah. In the
2: in the past five years. <laughs>
1: no, no. We 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 are we're, we're pretty good. We're doing pretty well. The, the the pacing is okay. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, thank you. Seriously, thank you guys. Thank you for watching. Now, Steve, for your pick. So I think I'm, there's this one that I've been wanting to check out. I never got it. It's a it's only five years old. So
0: I it, it looks okay. like it's available. It's actually available. We we're we're big supporters of Plex. It's one of the movies and TV free streaming on Plex oh, too. Wow. Let's give a plug for Plex, but it's also on Tubi, um, and those are probably your best bets. But this is a movie from 2018. It's a short movie. It's only 83 minutes. Hmm. Um, it's called I'll Take Your Dead. Um, have either of you seen this movie?
2: No. No. Okay.
0: Oh, perfect. Perfect. This is great. This is great. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of just try to read you this this brief thing. Uh a farmer makes a living disposing of bodies. One day, three bodies are delivered, except the young woman is still alive. If set free, the gang will come after him and his daughter. So, no, it's it, it's a horror thriller. Um, I just like the idea of like this is a person who makes dead bodies disappear as a as a as a career, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, there's a little bit of a snag or a wrinkle in what he uh, is is tasked with doing. I don't really know much of it, but beyond that, what well, like, one of the I few bet-
2: jobs where you say, "Oh shit, they're alive,"
0: yeah. right, right, <laughs> right. Like, oh damn. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 a little more thriller than horror. But I mean, uh, the yeah. trailer definitely definitely tinkers on that. But I forget one of the filmmakers I like that I love. I don't know if it was Mike Flanagan or it, it was somebody that has is really well. Flanagan's not really on Twitter all that much anymore, but it, it, on, on Twitter someone one of the horror filmmakers or maybe it wasn't a horror filmmaker just someone had i remember when this came out was like kind of really championing this movie i don't know if he had anything to do with it or if it was like a a friend or somebody that made it but it kept popping up on my timeline to the point that i I remember adding it to my list and uh kind of going through what i have here for horror mainly because i wanted to plug plex honestly because obviously ronald and i live and die by plex and you know john you use it and uh plex is a great free app and uh anything that i can do as i require viewing that would drive somebody to download and try plex out is awesome because they have channels on there that have tons of free shows movies um originals and um yeah this one's on there so it's called i'll take your dead 2018 Mm. again free on plex free on tubi take your pick and uh
2: perfectly timed to thanksgiving no, I'm kidding. The week after Thanksgiving. <laughs> Speaking of Tubi, um, uh, I, th- that was one thing I wanted to mention about watching the tunnel too. Was it mm. was a little bit odd having like <clears throat> ads, like these super upbeat, cheerful ads that would break into this the t- the tension of that movie. Mm. I remember when I, I was watching
0: one of the ones you had picked, John. What was the one with? Um, it was like a '70s, or maybe even older than that. It was like the the, the it had um, Sean Connery in it. I the think offense. was the one. Yeah, I think that was on Tubi and I remember yeah. right. it kept coming in with the commercials and it was the it was the kid from Stranger Things, Will Will Will, Will. and it was like the Amazon commercials like the Amazon wish list for his college dorm yes, room. Yes, I saw the and same. I, I saw like 12 yeah. of them. Yeah. I feel like watching this like, you know, gritty, dark, bleak <laughs> yeah. Sean Connery, you know, police thriller killer thing and Every like three or four minutes or five minutes it'd be like, follow me, guys. As I put together my Amazon wish list. Well, right, it's, it's <laughs> so at
2: odds with with the the tone of the thing. But it yeah. also is like hard to believe that Amazon would not be like, you don't have to put our ad in the middle of that movie, right? Or, yeah, we <laughs> don't yeah, have to bother putting this on that one. Um, or maybe or
0: maybe it was on maybe it wasn't Tubi. Maybe it was on Freebie. It was one of the ones that has ads. Amazon on Freebie would make more sense. But yeah, it, that that one stood out to me. It was just like such a. Horrible match. Yeah. Of, well, you
2: <laughs> know, they, they need to make special, gritty, depressing ads to put in those films. You know what I mean? Like just so that it, the, the tone yeah. stays the same. Absolutely. Um, but all right, no, uh, I'll take your dead. Can't wait. Oh. Cool. Cool. All right, guys. Cool. So, um,
0: let's let's jump. Our our, our go to always Marvel. Uh, let's talk a little bit about let's Loki time season.
2: slip into yeah, time uh, slip. the the era when Marvel mattered. Guess what it matters again. Marvel's back. <laughs> no, oh. I think it's funny. No, There's I think it's headlines. funny. Marvel's There's dead, Marvel's headlines. back. Everybody wants it to be dead, everybody wants it to be back. It's not dead, it's not back. It's just chugging along. It just um, is. Yeah, but um but Loki season 2, particularly I think the way it wrapped up was one of those peak Marvel things for me, honestly. Absolutely. Um, and it's mm. like it's nice to know they can have in the same week, within a few days of each other, a peak Marvel thing like the end of Loki season two and a fun, you know, we might call it middle of the pack style Marvel movie, but the, the Marvels, which I saw in theaters this weekend, definitely has like a handful of those little moments that people do find special about these movies, even if the movie around it is another one that is sort of... You know, I mean, I don't think the box office even really reflects the quality of the movie. There's something else going on with the general interest level in Marvel that doesn't have that much to do with what this movie is. Maybe they couldn't market it that well. But um, I think within the span of a few days, I started to feel that little Marvel feeling of, yeah, they got, I mean, they, they've got a 50 50 shot maybe at this point of when they put something out that it's going to have that right. kind of impact. I think the thing that feels different, and I've been wanting to ask you guys about this ever since the Echo trailer came out, is that don't you think the thing that seems different, the difference is not that the quality is up and down or that it's not all amazingly iconic classic, you know, one f- classic film after another. It's that they, they seem nervous right now. Like, oh, yeah. They, yeah. W- when that Echo trailer came out, it seemed like it was dropped at a time and made in such a way to sort of, like, convince people, maybe, I don't know, check this out. And then, like, within this week, we've gotten um, uh, the, they dropped the what if announcement about how that's going to be coming out. So Echo's going to be dropping all the episodes at once, I believe. What If's going to be coming out an episode a day over a week in in December, I think, um, or soon after. Anyway, I'm just saying, they're trying different release strategies. They're hitting us with a bunch of little different things. It's not so much that it doesn't look good, it's that I don't think they have any faith the quantum mania shook them up. They don't know what's going to work with people anymore. And, and and so they're trying, you know, all these different sort of release strategies and different things. I didn't know what you guys kind of think about that feeling, that it it kind of feels like there's there's a nervousness um, on their part about, like, what to do. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, it's 100% the point. Like, you're absolutely right.
0: Uh, I think that the fact that, you know, e- even consistent with what you're describing is, like, the, um, you know, Pushing back all the films, you know, uh, this writer leaves that project. This, you know, this, the the Kang dynasty film has lost its writer and, and filmmaker. And, you know, all these things are moving around and changing and canceled or taken off the slate. Um, because, you know, and I, I kind of, I'm glad at least they're doing something because yeah, we talked about this a lot on that, like the everything's broken episode. It was like this idea that just, I, I genuinely believe that they've completely lost the buy in. And all of the good faith like Mm -hmm. fandom that they had built up, you know, to the post end game, you know, even up to like No Way Home, um, you know, that they had that they had used. You know, I feel like it just is it's a simple, the simple reality is that they are really shaken right now and they're like more resembling like the DCEU than than the Marvel, you know, the, the MCU that we all, you know, what in some degree knew and loved. But I, I just feel like whether it was that trailer for Echo or, you know, um, the, even the new trailer that they cut and released the week of the Marvel's release that was really,
2: really, thirsty. really
0: selling you on, <laughs> you know, Endgame and Infinity War and the, and the Avengers and, like, trying to, like, really lure you back in. Um mm.
2: Yeah, it's Steve. It's, it's, Steve it's, I know you said lure, but the, I, I like the idea that they were trying to lure you back in. You know what I yeah, mean? It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. it really is like trying to connect you to the the thing that you love, and to the story remember. that you, the, yeah, the, the right. stuff that worked.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is weird because yeah, I, I, I was shocked that I watched the finale before you guys because I was so far behind. But I like plowed through it perfectly. timed to watch that finale last week and texted you guys both. Like I was just like I was blown away by it. Like I I completely. I don't know if it's just because of the state of everything right now, you know, like I think I do genuinely believe even as it's, as it sits, like it's, it's definitely the top tier stuff for me in this phase or post end game stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, no question for me. I mean, up there, you know, I don't know what in in conversation with things like no way home or, uh, you know, guardians three, I really liked um, the werewolf by night, Uh, you know, this stuff like that. But like I said, when I started watching this season, what differentiated it a lot for me was just like how much I've grown to love Loki as a character and even Mobius in this series, but Loki over the course of where he started in the MCU and where he, he sits now quite literally. I just feel like, you know, it's just um, that really is what kind of took me by, I don't know, not surprised, but like, it just wowed me a bit. You know, I felt Mm -hmm. like the whole season was really good and that, and and I thought the whole season was really good and, and consistently good. And in some time, and some periods, great.
2: Um, I think the, f- the some periods, first and last episode, yeah. incredible, top notch. Everything in between was really solid. And like you were saying, Ronald, a kind of more confident, maybe, maybe I, I really liked the first season, but I do feel like this felt like they really knew what they were doing with the storytelling. But that, yeah. those, those moments of greatness were were different from the other Marvel shows where, where you kind of are tempering your expectations and saying it's pretty good for television or something like that. This yeah. really felt like yeah. cinema level <laughs> storytelling at its best.
0: And and I think what worked the most in those moments of greatness of the season, before you even got to how great the finale was, was just like that things just didn't work. You know, like yeah. things weren't going in anyone's favor the yeah. whole season, basically. Yeah, you know, I, And I love that. I love that it wasn't like a, you know two you know one step forward two steps back thing like i feel like from the jump in this season there were so many things that that he just no one had control over and um the chaos of that i think really worked and the desperation especially getting in those last two episodes loki's desperation in like seeing what he had to do but not being able to accomplish it and like that was just that all worked for me so well um we mentioned it before the score was incredible mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah we think that was on minutes. a thread we haven't mentioned that on the show the music yeah, has I been mean, has always been good amazing. and very distinctive but i feel like this season it's almost like it but that's another thing where the confidence level just ramped up they knew they they have this unique sort of synth mixed with orchestral score so, and it, it's so. weird and beautiful and yeah just really an interesting combination
0: and like it's like playing in my head like i i, mm-hmm. I like i can remember that final couple minutes, you know, when you know, I don't, I don't, not, I don't know if we're gonna get into spoilers, but not to spoil anything, but the last few minutes of the episode of the finale, um, the sequence, you know, just that 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 score that swells, and you know, when we see Loki in those final shots, that scene is in my brain, and that music is in my brain, and like I just loved everything about it, man. I went out on such a high, and whether we see lo- more of Loki in the future or not, you know. This is a huge, huge achievement. I mean, I just like kudos, man, because I loved it.
2: Well, here's the cool thing about that is that if they want to step away from Kang, I think after this they can. Like, I I don't think they necessarily should. I think there's this, this also gives them plenty of opportunities to reset. This is a very recastable part, even though it seems at odds with the idea because, you know, he's it's the multiple versions of the same guy. But you you could, at this point, you could totally have a different Kang show up. But if they wanted to stop they they this 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 plus Quantumania plus the end of loki season one is is enough of a of a showing for Kang if, if that's what we want to do. The whole yeah. mu- multiverse thing, I think they're still going there. I still think they probably have some fun stuff planned for us that I want to see. But if they wanted to cool on that, this show kind of tied that up totally. in a strange way. And it ties yeah. up the character of Loki in a very mythic way, a very comic booky way, but also it feels like it's right out of the mythology that this character comes from. So it just yeah, felt like like my <clears throat> son, who's who's gotten very cynical and very, hey, it's mid about most Marvel stuff, you know, <laughs> uh, said that what Luke, Loki did at the end of the this series was uh, one of the coolest things he's ever seen somebody do. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Honestly, it was awesome.
2: And I think it was epic, dude. I think a lot of what we're talking about, and we've talked about this before, but you cannot, you cannot uh, downplay, um, just the star power of Tom Hiddleston in this sure. role. It's one of the reasons why What everything you said about loving this character works so well. Yeah. When, when he's afraid, the moment when they find Victor Timely at the like the World's Fair in, in the 1800s, the look on Tom Hiddleston's face is like one of pure fear. Like, yeah. mortal fear. And I feel like that feeling you're talking about, Steve, that's what the feeling that doesn't end until the season's up, of like there's a threat, there's something happening, yeah. and here's a guy who kind of wants to think he's got the drop on the situation, but... Um, you know, it's almost like what he's really learning about himself is that he, he does care, maybe not about everybody, but he cares about this group of five friends (laughs) that he's made and he wants to spend time with them. I thought that was such a neat hook for this character to say, it's not like he's become this super humanitarian, but he does have something he cares about. Um, And that was a great way to write out the kind of sci-fi techno jargon stuff that was going on that could, you know, without the character stuff wouldn't have really landed. I don't think
1: Mm. Ronald, what do you think about all this? Um, Mm. I've been very hyperbolic about how I feel about the MCU throughout our years as friends and and uh, very close friends and people that I love. But, but. what I said still stands. Um, sure, sure, I was very afraid once things got into the sky that it was going to be very hard, like magic and space and things like that. Once it got to the sky, it was going to get weird. And here's why. I never quite explained why, and I was trying to figure out why it bothered me so much do not ever compare your life to James Gunn. Don't do it. Don't try to make it seem like everything that follows space is going to have like a James Gunn level of quality. Mm-hmm. So people were saying like, once we get into space, it's going to be amazing. Based on <laughs> right. what, James Gunn's story? Yeah, That's what bothered me. Because I knew that no one was going to be able to, to do the heavy lifting that he does. And 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 by heavy lifting, I mean... Mysticism, magic, and still have an emotion in it. That's yeah. a that's a that's a that is a still very jugg- real. It, yeah, it's a real juggle, man. It's, it's grounded in in the way that people interact with each other. Hundred percent. And I knew I I've watched you know this new genre of film sci-fi that came out a couple <laughs> years ago. I happen to know that managing emotion and the sci-fi aspect of it can be a little weird. It's why a lot of them aren't good. It's why a lot mm-hmm. of people aren't attached to them. So when I saw Loki season one, I felt specks of it, right? I, I knew that the acting was good. and I, I, You know that part. You know that Tom Hiddleston, Gugu is going to be good. Um, Owen Wilson, man. Owen Wilson, obviously going to yeah. be amazing. But it didn't quite balance all that stuff as well as it should have, but it had some good things. This it was more kinda, herky-jerky.
2: It was like episode to episode. Oh, it, yeah. It, it, it kind of That's what it was. Absolutely. So when
1: we got season two, it kind of took... All the things you love about these characters and up the ante and then intensify the emotion of it because it was a really grounded idea. What is a person uh, who's who's kind of giving this this divine sort of thing? He's kind of spoken this thing in the distance. I'm a god. I do all these things. I'm amazing. I can fight. <laughs> but what is your purpose? Why are you here? What is the point of you being here? Are you, Especially if you aren't moving the needle.
2: Yeah, what what and kind then, of god are you are you going to be? Which is a 100%. cool line because at the end of the story, he actually does sort of flip the paradigm as to what he's the god of. You know, hundred percent, which is interesting. And I think
1: I think when you get to your purpose, you have to be your most vulnerable. And yeah. and you could see a man breaking apart because he couldn't quite figure out how to solve this issue, and and I like the way that it was done, and I like that. I mean, this is like some like wizard of Oz shit where he kind of went to each person and got that consent. In different Definitely. timelines to kind of be like, how would you how would you handle this? How would you deal with this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of got his blessing, their blessing in a different, obviously different timelines, but got enough of an idea what what his closer closest friends thought about time and responsibility and purpose that he knew what he had to do. And I think that some of it is kind of like, honestly, it we saw the most elaborate cool Wizard of Oz sort of thing that I'd ever seen that was Mm -hmm. handled in a way that didn't feel like it was legitimately just taking beat for beat Wizard of Oz.
2: You know what it also felt reminded me of was, um, do you remember on Lost when Jack had to round everybody up to get him to go back to the island? It was very much that kind of thing. But it's the same idea of like the story's about the connection. I mean, the Mm -hmm. Wizard of Oz is the story. We joke about, uh, you know, the friends we made along the way being the point of the story, but that's what the Wizard of Oz is. (laughs) Um, That's what Lost really is too, to say these people are the ones who made this thing the way (laughs) this happened because these people were together. Yes. Um this is a similar thing and it's very touching and and I think one of the things you're hitting on there Ronald that I love was how the um you know that I I do I would be surprised if we never see Loki again. Mm. Um I'd be fine if we don't, but I also think they created up some really fun side characters that uh, oh, I heard so the, I heard the creator of the show say that they when they were asking about another season, he said that they don't think the story's over, but he said if they consider the first two seasons of Loki to be their Breaking Bad, what they want to do now is their Better Call Saul. And mm. I was like, with the TVA characters that we have, especially if we're going forward with Kang and multiverse stuff, to have the TVA as the kind of, these people are out there secretly Trying to put the lid on that—that's kind yeah. of a fun thing to have. That could totally come into some of these other movies we might see. Like, I could totally see Owen Wilson if Deadpool Three is a multiverse story. I could see Mobius popping up for a scene. You know, like that's the kind of stuff that Marvel used to do that seemed fun. And I think they can maybe move towards that again. If—and you alluded to this, Steve—they cleared the schedule next year. Uh, yeah. Deadpool Three is the the big thing. I mean, yeah. I think they're going to be. I think we got to watch that movie carefully because they're they're putting everything they can into a property that they think can be that big buy-in uh, project. Um, I think echo coming out might get some eyes. I think what if coming out might get some eyes, but we, we can look at next year and see that it's kind of the year of Deadpool for, for Marvel. Um, so, and that could be Ronald, to your point, whatever it is about Deadpool that people like, it is more gritty or grounded or something. Um, it comes more from the gut and less, less fanciful, even if they've got, you know, Wolverine hopping from a different dimension or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. yeah for um, sure. so yeah, I mean, I think in that sense you can see what direction they might try to push it. But, um, but this was a yeah. This was like the kind of storytelling that we've been missing, honestly. Because it's it felt special. it felt connected Great. to everything that's come before, and and it was kind of moving to think about this guy who we saw in the first Avengers movie, who's such a shit. To actually see him, even though he didn't go through the same character development that the other Loki who died went through, um, it was interesting to see he kind of ended up in a similar place of like yeah. growing. I don't know. It was a it was a thoughtful, fun, interesting show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, Ron, what did
1: you think of the Marvels? The Marvels, um, fun, silly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there may be some parts that may irritate your life out of your body, but that's okay. I mean, it was your 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 life will come back into your. It'll body. It'll come back. It'll come back <laughs> uh, because <laughs> that's how it works in the MCU. But right? it, it yeah, nobody stays dead. Nobody stays dead. <laughs> um, the the chemistry between the the three Marvel characters. Um, was so fun yeah. that I you can't ignore how great this was. And I'm so pissed that they didn't emphasize some of the action scenes because the ones that happened when they figure out how to make things work between them, are insanity like yeah they're, yeah they're switching.
2: See- Listeners should know when the, the action scenes are fueled by this idea that their their powers are entangled due to something that yeah. happens in the movie. And it actually was teased at the end of the Miss Marvel show. But whenever they use their powers at the same time, she uh, Miss Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, and the unnamed Monica Rambeau, which has a mm. superhero name, um, they all have powers based on the same kind of essential power, power mm. of light. And so when they use their powers at the same time, they switch places. And mm. the movie, yeah, you're right, Ron those action scenes get a lot of juice out of cleverly using that idea an idea that could have been so chaotic it was just hard to even watch yeah. but instead they find some really fun and funny things to do with it one of my favorite parts of the movie was the damn training sequence where they're jumping rope i mean you talk about chemistry and just kind of pure fun that moment was so funny and it's just yeah. them trying to figure out okay let's 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 all you know let's let's skip rope and jump in and switch places and uh, you yeah. know it's fun. It's fun. it's fun it's fun That you felt the nia De costa at times like that is what i thought because i think she's a a creative fun person even though
1: she yeah for sure
2: we hear different stories about how involved she was as, as this movie went along um
1: yeah it was it was it was one of those movies that um I, so i have to say this while we're in the middle of this because i was we didn't say it during low-key do not like the idea of rumors uh hyperbole yeah uh secondhand information become fact for you because sometimes yeah. the things good or bad, that you're hear- yeah. Sometimes the thing that you're things that you're hearing are just production things, and if you, especially if you read the uh, the MCU um, book, you'll find that the thing that you are saying made the Marvels a terrible movie is the same thing that every MCU movie went through at some point. Do yeah. not get it messed up. It's always been a thing reshoots have always been a thing. New directors have always been a thing. New script writers have always been a thing. So please relax yeah. on the tre- these hyperbolic talks about what, what makes something bad or good. And it's Ronald, too inside when, of baseball when- for me.
2: When post-production stretches on like it can for a Marvel movie as well, it's not that unusual for a director like Nia DaCosta to be prepping another project because 100%. she's not in the in there on the VFX rooms yeah. finishing all that stuff. So the story yeah. about her not being involved in finishing the movie really is a much more normal Hollywood occurrence, especially you, for this kind of thing where, as important as the director might be, it's not a Nia DaCosta movie. It's a Marvel movie directed by Nia DaCosta. You know, did you like, see her
1: explanation? i i saw where she explained roughly what i just said did yeah, she say more than that really cool. yeah i mean it was, it was basically uh, essentially she had signed on for a certain amount of time right the mcu cycle with you know you can you can read about it in that book basically sometimes they just make changes constantly yeah. and if somebody has an obligation to a studio she told them this beforehand that she was obligated to a cheaper budget that cannot move things around quite as as easily. She made the choice to go to the other production, which he had promised that she'd do anyway. It's Mm -hmm. not like she, she just did it out of the blue. So the, so the talks about that are a little more, um, you know, shady and weird and not real.
2: Right, it's because like people want to use it as a way to imply that she somehow didn't have her heart and soul in this movie. And 100%. I just think you'd be an idiot to think that someone like her would get a, a platform like a Marvel movie and wouldn't bring everything she could to it as a creative person, you know? So, um, but but we do know the Marvel machine. Also, you keep mentioning the book. If you read that book, you, you could see how it wouldn't be for everyone. A lot of directors might walk away from that saying, that's not how I want to do this. One um, did, um, one yeah. big
1: one did. And it's, a, it's pretty much the heart of of that entire book, Uh the Edgar Wright yeah. sort of Ant Man thing is a catalyst for kind of the culture that was cultivated post post that production. Mm-hmm. The idea that like the studio wants to be more collaborative with the writer with the director, so that you don't have a situation where Edgar Wright is publicly being like, "This was a terrible experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll do it again. This was weird."
2: Um, uh, one last note I want to add about uh, the Marvels, just because it's, it's quote-unquote underperformance as a sequel to M- Captain Marvel is making a lot of news. That movie made a billion dollars. A billion dollars. This man. one is not going to make that. Uh, it's a different climate for superhero movies. It's a different mm-hmm. climate for the movies in general. It's a different time for the MCU. Um, I, I, I do think it's a shame if people sleep on this movie and use it as just the same way I felt bad that... Quantumania caught all that flack for the effects being bad when it's like Marvel practices are what you're seeing. You know, not so much yeah. this movie or the people that made this movie. Yeah. And that movie becomes the discussion point for for that. I think this movie becoming the discussion point for is the Marvel magic gone? Is It's it's just bad timing for this movie. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, but I, I also think it is... You mentioned the chemistry and the kind of charm of it. I mean, uh, uh, is it Aman Villani? Is that how you pronounce her yeah. name? Um, she, she is... I mean, I didn't even love Miss Marvel as a show that much, but I liked her a lot. And she she just pops off the screen in this thing. It is crazy. Mm. Tayona Paris is, is really solid as Monica Rambeau as well. And I would say this movie, with the chemistry and the other two characters, one of the things it does that works well is it makes Brie Larson's kind of chilly, slightly awkward vibe, actually a, a feature. Of yeah. the character, she's she's weird around people. She doesn't know how to act. Yeah. Um, I, for whatever reason, that's what Brie Larson seems like when she plays this character. Uh, she's not always that way, but in this, these movies, she seems kind of stiff and awkward. And in this movie kind of makes it into a thing that her character is that person who doesn't really know, you know, yeah. how to. Like friendships are kind of a, a new thing for her. Um, yeah. And I would almost say the one scene that really was a clunker for me in the movie. There's an awkward scene that tries to wrap up all the emotional stuff where they're standing out in a field. You know the scene I'm talking oh. about. Where it just feels like everybody just says the thing they need to say to move forward emotionally, uh, rather than it being something that was particularly motivated. But um, outside of that, I think, you know, the worst crime this movie might commit is that it's kind of episodic and... A little messy, but it's not like the effects are awful. And definitely, it's it's full of the things you might like about a Marvel movie. You know, fun action yeah. and fun fun character moments, and amid a mid a credits scene that actually might matter to some people, and actually might get your juices flowing. Um, and I would even say a, a, cl- a sort of a cliffhanger at the end of the movie. One of the characters is off in a different situation at the end of the movie. That's just in, is generally it's a kind of a, an intriguing Marvel thing to say. Let's end a movie with a character where you really want to see what happens to them next. You know,
1: I'm going to add an addition to what you said if if you don't like this end scene you have no heart in your soul (laughs) you have no heart in your chest you have no feelings you have no emotions you are dead in the world this is a cool ass post-credit scene that opens up the world that opens up uh some of the mythology that we've come to know and i think that um it's done in, in a cool tasteful way. and if you are a fan of the past, the present and the future. Ooh. I like the well, goddamn it your brain will go crazy.
2: And if you're a fan of pretty good CGI, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll like you'll like that scene. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, if you're, you're a fan right. of CGI that looks like it's from the past, uh, <laughs> But anyway, yeah. So it's like, you know, this, we, we, we won't have anything Marvel to watch for a minute here, but um, you know, this was a nice nice reminder after the recent conversations about the wheels being off the wagon that if, even if they don't have the mass culture buy-in, they can still entertain a couple of comic book nerds Go like ahead. me and Ronald. Yeah. Go ahead and see that movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Um,
2: oops. what what else? Let's wrap this up. <clears throat> I, I, I can talk about Hunger Games, but I was going to see what else you guys had seen.
0: I haven't really watched a lot, personally, man. Uh, I was supposed to come to that Hunger Games screening with you. That didn't
2: happen. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I poured out a drink for you. Thank you. And they, thank you. they got so mad. Oh, yeah, I was like, right on the right. Yeah, I, I got that? a big gulp. I don't know why I got the big I could have gotten like a small water cup or something, but I, <laughs> you know,
0: a... I go for the big gulp, John. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, just briefly, if, I mean, you definitely mentioned if you do you want to mention about Hunger Games first? And then if we want to, throw yeah, on a couple quick things, just keep it brief.
2: I guess I'll just ask you guys temperature check mm-hmm. what, what are your feelings? I mean, how much does Hunger Games like loom for you? Like, does it loom large for you as a franchise or something you think about? Because I, I realized I did, I saw the first two movies and did not see the second two movies. But I didn't like. I liked the second one well enough. I, it, I just didn't happen to watch uh, the, the the third and fourth movie. Um, but I have nothing against it. What are your feelings on the the franchise?
1: Love the books. Um, really enjoyed the movies. The first two are especially special to me, and then gets a little money towards the end for some of the choices, but I really enjoyed the first two. Yeah. I'm not, I'm
0: not familiar with the books, um, but the movies I really liked, mm-hmm. especially catching fire. Um, I think that the, the third and fourth one from, from what I've gathered from fans of the books. Um, and even just as my watching the films, I, I don't, I, I feel like that was one of those situations where like movies being chopped up into two parts really mm-hmm. hurt, hurt it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh but even still, I enjoyed that. But I think Catching Fire is great. Um, the second one is really good. Yeah, um, but yeah, overall, I'm a pretty big fan, and I, and I actually I'm looking forward to seeing this one. Like I, I genuinely too. want to check this one out.
2: Well, I would think that that then is the magic ingredient. I would think that yeah. the more well versed you are in Hunger Games, the more the sort of prequel aspect of this will appeal to you. Right. Um, I, I I I sort of knew the char- The lead character is <clears throat> uh, Coriolanus Snow um the the donald sutherland character uh, many years later in the in the other films so this is kind of a phantom menace of the hunger games where mm. you're taking like who's the worst guy in the other movies and we're going to see kind of how he became that way um mm. and i i'm to understand that the movie the book was long enough that they thought about splitting this uh, uh book into two movies as well, But then ch- instead just chopped a bunch of stuff out to make it work. But it still feels kind of like a book. It's got three distinct chapters. And I think at, at two hours and 40 minutes long, it, it only really feels long because when it gets to the end of the second chapter, it really does feel like the end of a movie. And then there's, you look at your watch and there's a whole hour left at that point. It's, so, it's not so much that it's so long, it's that it's the stop and start of a long yeah, movie yeah. it's like if it's a long movie and it's just like like Killers of the Flower Moon which was very long but like it's one consistent narrative you don't feel like it's got these sections or chapters that kind of make you realize oh wait this is where a normal movie would be ending um, but with that in mind you know it's really well made I think Francis Lawrence has been directing them since the first right like that's kind of his it franchise
0: Gary Ro- it was Gary Ross and then yeah Francis and, Lawrence and then
2: right so Gary Ross did one it, kind of the way Chris, Christopher Columbus did uh, or Chris Harry Columbus Potter. what do we call him <laughs> Ha ha ha. Is it Chris Columbus? Chris Columbus. Chris yeah, Columbus Chris is Columbus. the is the I historical Chris asshole. Um, yeah. Chris Columbus, much nicer guy. But, you know, it's like he set down the tone for the early Harry Potter movies in terms of doing one type of thing, and then someone else came in. You know, eventually it ended up as David Yates, I believe, who directed the most Harry Potter films. And he's the guy they brought back when they started doing the Fantastic Beasts movies. That He's the kind of style yeah. guy. I kind of feel like Francis Lawrence is the style guy for The Hunger Games in that way. That it's like, if you're going to do this, you're going to go back to that well. He's the guy who you know can shoot a hunger games movie and there's something kind of dreary and drab about these movies but there's also something i kind of respect about the downer vibe of it like it really is super downer mm-hmm. and this movie really is like watch a guy who's sort of like i here's my thing i wasn't well versed enough in the mythology to know whether like are we even supposed to like him at the beginning like i didn't like him really at the beginning but i don't know who i'm supposed to like in this world of like because everybody seems to know about the hunger games and be okay with it and it always seems to me like if you're in the if you're one of the the haves in the world of have versus have not of the hunger games then you're just an asshole right because you're benefiting from this or you're <laughs> yeah, entertained yeah, by this sure. you're not the sure. one getting killed okay so we start off with a bunch of characters that i don't think i would have ever liked and then you see how one of them becomes way worse um but it's really done well and again the acting is good rachel Ziegler's performance did not work for me i didn't like her kind of corny southern accent and she sings a lot in this movie and it was not my jam um the way that the singing was used. But I, you know, again, I think if someone really loves her and loves her voice, I could see that being another thing that really takes off for them. Um, But it's just the story of the, the rise of a, of an asshole. And I think we see enough of that in life that maybe we can say when it's well done Mm. in a film, but you know, I don't know how interested I was in that story just on its own face, given that I'm not like, the guy who knows all the deets and kept catches all the Easter eggs of the of the Hunger Games world, but it's certainly well done. And I and I there were some super fans that were kind of coming out of the theater when I was leaving too, and they were totally spinning theories and stuff. So I don't know if this movie leads to a chapter where there's like a, a period where we don't know what happens between this and the Hunger Games. There are a couple of questions at the end or mysteries that I I, I mm-hmm. thought oh, all right. I wonder I wonder how much we're supposed to wonder. Um, but uh, either way, um, you know, uh, I guess this would be a if you're a Hunger Games fan, this is an easy go ahead. Um, if you're not, maybe this
1: is a wait for it. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's cool, that's cool. good, right? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah,
2: you give. You <laughs> I want to see it. I want to see it. Yeah,
1: I, I like that. I like that. That gives a good sort of perspective on him. because I'm I'm interested, but I'm not interested at all. If that makes any sense. Right. <laughs>
2: Who's that main dude in that? I don't know if I know him from anything, but he was really good. Um, in the in the new Hunger Games movie. Yes. It's uh, Tom Blythe. He's from um. Oh God, what's
0: it? Um, that show on HBO Max. Oh my God, Eu- Euphoria. No, he might be in that. Is he in that? No, maybe. No, 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 no. Right. It's a period um with Carrie. Coon, right. at the Gilded Age. Oh, I've never watched. Like I, I mean, like that's what I hear a lot. I know a lot of people associate him with that show um but i'm not sure what else he's been in honestly
2: billy the kid apparently he played billy the kid in billy the kid hey now and he um he's he was also in yeah a bunch of stuff i don't really recognize the name of anyway he's very good um and you know right up to the end i would say that the it's a shame that the that the sort of Stop and start nature makes that last hour feel a little tacked on because I really do think the last hour is maybe when the most interesting stuff happens in the movie. The middle part that is sort of a compressed Hunger Games uh, movie where it's one of the Hunger Games is it, you know, it might be the part that makes the movie feel a little long, but I think they wanted to get as much of that in there as possible because that's really the only action. The rest is very talky and and very moody and um, yeah, I don't know how faithful to the book it is, but my impression is it, 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 you know, it. I don't think there's another book out there to adapt, and Correct me if I'm wrong if anybody knows, but I don't think there's a more than 5 books, oh, so, I think so or more than 4 books even. <clears throat> so I don't know if this is an attempt to keep this franchise going or you know if there's the implication that there's more to come, have we heard anything about that? It seems like that's the ultimate property that would mm-hmm. have been announced for like an HBO Max show or something, but yeah. I haven't heard anything
0: like Maybe that. it will. I mean, this is a huge property for Lionsgate, so hopefully they're 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 estimating fifty to sixty million openings. So if it does that, I'd say maybe they'll get another one. So, <clears throat> anything else you want to mention, uh, Ronald? That you saw?
1: Hulu's Quiz Lady. See it. This was really funny. Great movie. That's all. Oh,
0: I want to see that. That's the
1: Jessica Yu movie with um, Aquafina. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Okay. Uh, Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell and uh, a battle rapper. Uh, what what is his name? Uh Spellbound, not Spellbound, I feel like I say the wrong name. Um Dumbfounded. So Dumbfounded and uh Aquafina used to be in a kind of Asian rap collective with a couple other rappers. Okay. It's the documentary about it on Amazon from like damn near fifteen years ago. <laughs> She's been around for a really long time. Uh, so worth checking out really funny really cool
0: the only thing i wanted to mention was uh <clears throat> i finally got around to watching the uh, lessons, in Chemitri- lessons in chemistry lessons in chemistry i was on apple tv plus i like it um it, it was interesting hearing you guys talk about the marvels because like i recently uh and i mean for a while now actually i i'm not sure how i feel about brie larson anymore oh yeah wow. and um <clears throat> i feel like this show is a roller coaster for me for her because like, there, she's definitely, you know, and I'm not familiar with the book that this show is based on. So, the characterization of <clears throat> the character that she plays, it, it may be exactly as described in the book. She may be doing it perfectly. <clears throat> but as someone who doesn't, have has not read the book, there's a lot of the performance that just doesn't work for me in the show. I say that, but then, like, in the next episode, there's, like, a really, she's really killer in it. So, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's, like... this trying to maintain this baseline uh version of this character and it's just kind of elevating to certain levels that just don't work for me but i don't know it's like i was hoping to watch this and be like yeah okay she's great i i I, I, i'm i'm convinced again but um i think i'm i think i remain unconvinced but i mean the show is really interesting it's a really cool you know uh series on apple tv again we always say that like you know they're Production values are incredible. You know, their shows look great. So well made. Um, some great filmmakers directing the episodes of this series. And I think, um, you know, I think I'm halfway through it. It's, it I'm, I'm up to date on it. But it's the kind of thing where like, yeah, I'm in. I'm going to watch the rest of it, see how I feel about it. But it's, it's, a, it's a recommendation for sure. But <clears throat> it's more of a it was more of a test for me to be like, see how I felt about Brie Larson again. Because like she's been on this bubble for me where like I loved her for such a long time. <clears throat> she's been in a couple of performances recently where i just i don't know it just didn't she's not working still
2: you know what's I mean. odd is that when i'm thinking about it one of the movies that um i started to see that in was uh kong skull island where she nor tom hiddleston managed to like break through the fog of like yeah. of like being in that movie like they were the two these two sort of bankable leads that just kind of disappear in, in a strange way he's bet i think he comes out a little better than she does in that but it's still um you know that was a that was an odd moment going into it, going oh wow I can't believe they got them, and then they kind of didn't make as much of an impression as some of the other character yeah. actors. So
0: yeah, but yeah, check it out. And so I mean, again, Apple TV Plus is I feel like there's just the bar, the baseline bar for them is higher than most of the streamers in terms of mm-hmm. quality. So um, yeah, I think that that's really the only one I wanted to mention because I've been checking that out. But otherwise, I think we're think we're good guys that's a show let's get ronald out of here uh moviesmovie.com is the website You can go there you can subscribe to the podcast you can listen to it there if you just like to stay around that web page um or you go to youtube.com slash podcast if you want to watch the video the visual element uh version option for the pod um we'll be back i think i think next week we're going to do um one of our uh what, what do we call those again uh Rewind, maybe? Is Re- that what the- I can't even remember. Schmovie oh Rewind? God.
2: Movie Schmovie Rewind, we just, maybe? We, we yeah. just
0: did one of these recently, and I, I can't even remember where the freaking... Schmovie Replay. Oh, we um, Replay, yeah. We, we're going to pull back uh, something <laughs> for the week of Thanksgiving, but um, the week after, we'll be back together. And uh, again, my pick for required viewing for the episode in two weeks is um I'll I'll, I'll Take Your Dead. Um, take Your Dead. From 2018. Again, on Plex and Tubi. Um until then, as always, you've made our day. Thanks.
2: Oh no. <laughs>
0: you ran out, man. You just made it.
2: I'll 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 grab one from a previous episode where you said it really clearly and I'll just drop it in if you don't if you don't mind.
1: Well that was rough. Yeah, I mean, you need a soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>